This is The Gathering Church in Windsor, Ontario, and I'm Pastor Garth Lino. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us online again this morning. My name is Phil, and I'm one of the pastors here at The Gathering Church in Windsor. And you know, I'd like to just say that um, how grateful I am that even though circumstances aren't ideal, that we're still able and free to open up the Word of God and to let it challenge us and change us. And so with that in mind, I'm going to invite you to turn in your Bibles or your Bible app to Genesis chapter 39, looking at verse, uh, starting at verse 21. We're continuing our series on Joseph and the God of the impossible, and we're going to be looking at parts of chapters 39 and 40 this morning. You know, Joseph has had kind of a roller coaster of a life so far. It started as he's this favorite son of Jacob, and then he's sold into slavery to Egypt. While he's there, he rises to a manager of his master's house, but then he's falsely accused of trying to sleep with his master's wife, and he's set into prison. And as we journey through Joseph's time in prison this morning, we will realize that just like Joseph, we need to trust in God's presence, trust in God's plans, and trust God's timing. So let's read Genesis 39, 21 to 23. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him, and whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. So very familiar words to what happened when Joseph first arrived in Egypt with Potiphar's household. The Lord was with him and granted him favor so that everything that he did uh, ended up becoming uh, successful. He ends up rising to this point where he's basically second in command of a prison, a prisoner in command of, of a prison, which is just very interesting and, and kind of a sub-theme throughout the story. And you think about Joseph being in prison. He was undoubtedly sad, mad, confused about being in this situation, but it says that God was with him. And even though he may have been sad, mad, confused, it didn't stop him from working hard. He was a good worker to the point where the manager lifted him up to this prison. He managed the prison well. He worked hard. He worked well. And I think there's a good lesson for us there just kind of right off the bat about our attitude, about perspective, about our work ethic. Because Joseph could have just kind of sulked in the corner and, and kind of whine and complain. He'd be like, eh, this isn't fair. I'm in prison. This sucks. He could have done that but he didn't. Instead, he made the best of a bad situation, and he continued to be a good worker. As Colossians 3, uh, 23 and 24 says, whatever you do, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. So as as Christians, we're called to work hard. We're called to, to work smart. We're called to be good workers no matter the job, the role, the position that we find ourselves in because ultimately we're not serving people, but we're serving the Lord Jesus and he's worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our service. He's worthy of us working hard. So now back to the, the story, Genesis chapter 40, verses 1 to 4. Joseph's in prison, and it says, Sometime after this, the cupbearer of the king of Egypt and his baker committed an offense against their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard appointed Joseph to be with them, and he attended them. They continued for some time in custody. So 
We don't know what they did against the Pharaoh, but they had some kind of offense. They end up in prison, and there they go. And it's this interesting, God's providence, his, his sovereign hand over Joseph's life. Now he's, he's managing and attending to these really high-ranking officials in Pharaoh's own household. And while they're in prison, the baker and the cupbearer have a dream on the same night. Interesting, the story starts with Joseph having dreams, but now these people are having dreams. And they, they wake up and they're troubled because they say there's no one around to give an interpretation of these dreams. In Egyptian culture, being able to understand and give interpretation of dreams was, was held in high regard. If you could do that, like you, you were a big deal. That, that, was, that was really important. And so in verse uh, 8 of chapter 40, it says, They said to him, We have had dreams. There's no one to interpret them. And Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Please tell them to me. So Joseph, I mean, does two things here. One, he honors God, says, hey, any ability, including the ability to understand dreams, it comes from God. And then he stays humble right, in, in that. It's like, hey, it's not about me. It's, it's about God. But he says, hey, let, let me hear the dreams. Let, let, me, let me have a shot at this. And so they tell Joseph their dreams, and he gives interpretations of them. And he tells the cupbearer that his dream means that in three days, he's actually going to be brought back out of prison, and he's going to rejoin Pharaoh's court. Like, this is going to be, it's going to be good news. And, and he kind of adds his little personal plug in verse 14 to 15. It says, Only remember me when it is well with you. Please do me the kindness to mention me to Pharaoh, and so get me out of this house, for I was indeed stolen out of the land of the Hebrews. And here also I have done nothing that they should put me into the pit. So he's saying, hey, hey, cupbearer, get me out of here. Help me out, bro. Like, this is a great interpretation for you. You're going to be out of the prison. Remember me. And so then, then we get to the baker's dream. And he's pumped. He's pumped because he hears that the cupbearer's dream is, is all exciting. And so Joseph's like, well, all right, let's hear your dream. Gives the interpretation. He says, this is also going to be fulfilled in three days, but it's not such good news. Actually, Pharaoh's going to have you killed in three days. So I'm sure it's pretty awkward in the prison for the next couple of days. Just like, well, we're going to see if this interpretation ends up being true. Like, don't hate me. I'm just, just the messenger. You asked for interpretation. And here we go. Verse 20, three days later, right? On the third day, which happened to be Pharaoh's birthday, he made a feast for all of his servants and lifted up the head of the chief, chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker among the servants. So there they are. They get out of prison. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position, and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. He forgot him. These interpretations ended up coming true, which you think would, would make everybody remember. Well, how did, wow, 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 how did you know? But the cupbearer forgot Joseph. Now perhaps he was just so genuinely excited that, that his position was restored that it just slipped his mind. That happens sometimes, sure. Or perhaps it was God's sovereign plan for Joseph to learn how to wait on the Lord and trust in him while he was in prison. Genesis 41 verse 1 goes on to say that it was two years, after two whole years, two more years in prison, not just two days, two weeks, two months, but two more years waiting, wondering, did the cupbearer actually say anything to Pharaoh? Did Pharaoh care? Was he angry? Was he upset? What's going to happen to me? All that time to think and to ponder and to question and to doubt, you know, is God really there? Does he actually care? Well, I mean, what did I, did, what did I do to deserve this? I mean, I, I did the right thing and, and I'm in prison. This isn't fair. It's not fair. Well, I'm ever, am I ever going to be able to get out of this prison? It all seems so impossible. And maybe you've had similar thoughts. 
different points in your life, different doubts, different questions. I know that I have. But what should we do? What should we do when we have these moments of confusion, moments of, of disappointment, moments of uncertainty, moments when we're forced to wait, when there's no clear end date in sight, when, when things don't go according to our plan? Well, we need to trust God always. And I'm going to present three ways that we can practically trust God as we go through the ups and the downs of life. The first is that we need to trust God's presence. Trust God's presence. Genesis 39 verse 21 again, where it says, The Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love. Joseph was, was never alone. He may have felt alone, but he was never alone. And we, as the reader, we have insight into that. We, we can see as we read the text. And, and I'm sure that Joseph had some kind of level of understanding that God was with him with all the, the favor and the blessing that had he experienced so far. But there are likely moments where he felt very alone, forgotten, maybe even completely abandoned. And maybe you've gone through times like this, or you're going through a time like this right now. And you go, man, I don't, I don't feel God. He, he seems far off, uh, distant. You feel maybe forgotten. You feel abandoned. You feel alone. But you need to listen, 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 listen. You've got to listen to me. If you are a believer in Jesus, if you have put your trust in Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sins, for salvation and eternal life, you are never, ever alone. God is with you. And not only is God with you, but the Bible says that he is actually dwelling within you. John 14, 16, and 17, Jesus was explaining this reality to his disciples. He says, I'm going to ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you, and he will be in you. In you. By God's grace and, and because of Christ's work on our behalf and his death and resurrection, we have his very presence with us all the time. The Holy Spirit of God dwells with us, in us. How incredible is that, that God is always with us. And so we need to trust that truth. We need to trust in his presence. And so we fight doubt and we fight fear and we fight our feelings of being alone with the truth of the word of God. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, at the end of the Great Commission where he says, you know, go into all the earth and make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all I've commanded you. Then he says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus tells them, I'm going to be with you. I'm never going to leave you alone. Joseph was forgotten by people. But he was never abandoned by God. And we may be forgotten by people. We may be betrayed and even abandoned by people. But we will never be abandoned by God when we put our trust in Jesus Christ. And you know, it's interesting. What, you might think that if God was really with Joseph, that he wouldn't have gone through all this hardship in the begin with. He wouldn't have been sold into slavery. He wouldn't have had to face all the temptations that he did. He wouldn't have been uh, falsely accused. He wouldn't have been thrown into prison if God was really with him. We're tempted to think that way. You know, hardship equals that, uh, that God is not with us. But see, the presence of God in one's life is not measured by lack of adversity. Rather, adversity is the great training ground of faith. For it provides us with opportunities to truly depend on God and to witness his faithfulness and his deliverance in all kinds of ways. James 1, 2, and 3 says, Count it all joy, joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. 
So as believers in Jesus, we're going to face all kinds of trials, all kinds of difficulties, but it's not random, and it never means that God has abandoned us. Difficulty does not equal disconnection from God. If you are a Christian, there's not a single millisecond that you are alone. How comforting is that? Hebrews 13.5, God has said, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. That's what he has said to his people. Again, other people may leave you, other people may forsake you, other people may betray you, may abandon you. God never will. He didn't leave Joseph, and he won't leave you. And we need to trust in God's presence. Secondly, we need to trust God's plans. Trust God's plans. You know, it's pretty clear that... uh, Joseph's life hadn't really gone according to his own plan, right? Being sold by his brothers and going to jail for something that he didn't do. I'm sure that's not how he drew up his, his life's goals when he was a young kid, which is why he asked the cupbearer for help again in verse 14. Well, he says, only remember me when it's well with you. Please do me the kindness to mention this to Pharaoh. I was stolen out of the land of the Hebrews. I've done nothing wrong to be in this pit. Prison wasn't Joseph's plan, Remember at the start, he had received these two incredible dreams of prominence where his whole family was going to bow down and serve him. That was the plan. And while God had given him that, it's important to understand that God had not revealed the road that he would take to get there. And honestly, God rarely does so. He rarely does he say, oh, you're going to do this, and then you're going to come over here, and then oh, this is going to happen, and then over here, and then two years later, and then you're going to be this, and then you're going to go here. No, it's just one step at a time. I think of my own life, and it hasn't gone according to my plan, and I'm sure that you can uh, um, identify with that, and, and your life hasn't gone according to your plan either. Someone has, has said that if you want to make God laugh, show him your plans. So, so what was my plan? Well, as a kid, I was going to be a professional hockey player, and that's very common, but I mean, I realized very quickly that I was not anywhere close to being good enough. So then I switched. My, then my plan became, I'm going to be a fighter pilot in the Air Force. That's going to be awesome. And then all of a sudden I realized that I wasn't smart enough in math or science to make that work. So, all right. So then I was like, oh, I'm just going to, I loved hockey. So I was going to own a hockey store. And then when I was 15, I had a gigantic crush on this girl. And I was like, I'm going to marry that girl. She just doesn't know it yet. Of course, she didn't even like me and we never even went on a date or anything. So that didn't happen. Then I said, well, I'm going to move to Colorado. I'm going to work for the Colorado Avalanche NHL team. That, that, I'll be a coach or a trainer or equipment manager or a scout or, or something like that. That's what I'm going to do. But I can tell you what, my plan, I was definitely not going to be a pastor. And once I moved away from Ontario, I was likely not going to move back to Ontario. Interesting. God has taken me on a journey, and he's not done yet. And, and he's done the same with you, and you can testify that. I mean, how many of you... Your life has gone perfectly according to your plan. Not so much. But it's going according to God's sovereign plan. As he, as he weaves and he, and he orchestrates uh, the, both the tiny details and the massive, huge moments in your life so that his glorious and perfect will is accomplished on earth as it is in heaven. You may not have the life that you wanted or the life that you hoped for, the life that you dreamed of, but it is the life that God has given you. And we've got to remember that God actually knows what's best. As John Piper has said, occasionally weep deeply over the life you hoped would be. Grieve the losses. Like, own it. Admit it. Tell God, this isn't what I thought was going to be. I wish that this had happened. How come this? But then he says, then wash your face. 
trust God, and embrace the life that you have. Yeah, so it's okay at times to say, this isn't the plan that I wanted. I, and, and, and even weep and cry over these things. But then stop, wash your face, embrace the life you have. Don't focus on what you don't have. Don't focus on what you may have missed out on. Focus on what God has given you. Focus on his faithfulness in your life now and how good he has been to you and then commit yourself to embrace it by trusting his plans for you. I mean, his ways are, they're not our ways. They're they're so much higher. They're so much better than our ways. And we need to trust that again. He knows what he's doing. Trust his plans. And thirdly, we need to trust God's timing. Trusting God's timing might, might be the most difficult of these things because it means that we're likely going to have to wait a whole lot more than we like to. And as Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers so aptly put it all those years ago, the waiting is the hardest part. Mm. But it's true. Waiting is just so hard. We don't like to wait. I don't like to wait. God gave Joseph those dreams. And he didn't say how the plan was going to work out, but he also didn't say how long it was going to take until his dreams were fulfilled. He didn't know how long he was going to wait, and now he's been in prison for two years. But important for us to understand, God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. Because I think we tend to be in a bigger hurry than God is. He's patient, he's merciful, he's loving. I don't like to wait. We don't like to wait. You don't like to wait. Uh, whether it's the grocery store checkout line, especially now, I mean, McDonald's drive through the doctor's office, we're just waiting in, in a restaurant, and you know, buffet line, it's like, hey, get out of the way. I want my beef and broccoli. We don't like to wait. We don't like to wait. We, we want it now. What, whatever we want. We want what we want. We want it. We want it. We want it right now. You know, am I going to save up my money for that, for that um, appliance, that TV, for that new car? Nope. I'm just going to buy it new right now and I'll deal with the the debt or the credit card bills later. If I send somebody a text or an email or Snapchat and it's been, you know, it's been five minutes, why haven't they replied back yet? Come on, it's been five minutes. We don't like to wait. We live in such an instant microwave culture. You know, people still like to say, oh, patience is a virtue. Yes, patience is, is a great virtue. I think patience is a virtue that most people are content not to have. And God doesn't operate on our schedule and in our timing. And we need to trust his timing because he knows what he's doing. He always has. You think about Abraham. Abraham was 100 years old before the promised son Isaac was born. Moses. Moses was 80 years old before God used him to liberate Israel out of Egypt. David, King David. David was a boy when he was anointed by Samuel, but it would be over 25 years before he actually reigned over the entire nation. But God's timing is perfect. He, he's never early. He's never late. He's always right on time. Even in sending his son Jesus to die on the cross for us, Romans 5 verse 6 says, for while we were still weak, at just the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. God knew the the perfect circumstances and he orchestrated it all. This is the perfect time to send my son Jesus to die on the cross. God's ways are not our ways and his his timing is not our timing. And if we're honest, sometimes it's confusing and sometimes it's frustrating. Especially in these days when we think about COVID-19 and and in some ways it's a kind of fitting timing for this series, this time of, of Joseph stuck in prison. 
Maybe you feel like you're kind of a prisoner right now in your house with all these restrictions going on and you're wondering when are things going to change? How long is this going to last? When will I be able to get back to normal or figure out what the new normal is going to be? And I know, I get that too. Many people have been praying, myself included, for COVID-19 just to, just to end ASAP, just be done with this. God, come on, please, just, just take it away. But what if that's not God's plan? Now, I'm not claiming to be a prophet or, or to, to know exactly God's, God's plan and his will, but, but what if his timing with COVID is, is, is different? Perhaps maybe we've been focusing on praying for the wrong thing. So, Perhaps instead of asking God to just quickly change the situation, we need to ask God to change us in the situation that we're in. And to say, God, would you you have your will be done in in my heart, in in my life, in my city, in my country? God is the sovereign king of the universe, and he is working all things out for his glory and our good. Even when it doesn't seem like it, even when it's taking too long, in our opinion. And so we need to, when you come to this place of surrender and trust, surrender our lives, our plans to him, but we also need to surrender our clocks and our watches to him. So how can we do that? What's, what's maybe one thing that we can do to, to trust God's timing? Well, here's a challenge for you this week. Write something down that you're waiting for, whatever that is. It could be something that you were promised. It could be something you've been praying for. It could just be something that you want. Just write it down. A journal, a notebook, a sticky note in your Bible, put on your mirror, something like that. Whatever it is. And then draw a, a clock beside it. This is a clock, if you can't. Yeah, that's a clock. Or draw a watch, whatever it is. Just draw, and then beside the clock or the watch, write this. I am choosing to trust God. Your will be done in my life, and then write, in your time. Just one thing this week, just write that down. Because as followers of Jesus, we're called to live by faith, not by sight. To be people who trust God, to be our vision, to truly guide us with his presence, and to surrender to his plans and to surrender to his timing. Now, like Joseph, we may have to wait maybe for a long time, but thanks be to God for giving us his Holy Spirit. We never, ever have to wait alone. Let's choose to trust God today. Let's pray together. Father God, we recognize this morning that you are the king, the sovereign ruler of the entire universe Our planet is is simply just one, and you're managing galaxies and solar systems all over the place. And, and each one of us are important. Our lives are important to you. And there's seven billion people on this planet. And yet you are, you're weaving and orchestrating things out in all of our lives. And so we give you praise and we worship you for your, your majesty and your greatness this morning. But we want to ask that you would help us, Holy Spirit, now to trust in you, to trust in your presence. Help us to understand, to know, to trust that you're actually with us and that you're within us. And so we're never alone. Whatever we're going through, whatever we're facing, whatever we're waiting for, we're never actually alone. And I pray that if there's somebody watching, listening, that doesn't know you yet, or that they would actually put their trust, they'd put their faith in you, Jesus, so that they could also claim that promise, that they could know that they're actually not alone, that Holy Spirit, you would come and and cause them to be born again and and actually come and live within them as well. And God, I pray that as we 
struggle at times to trust your plans and your timing. Lord, I ask for your grace. Help us to fully surrender our lives totally to you. We have ideas, we have thoughts, we have plans that we want to see accomplished, but so often they're not yours. So help us to surrender and to truly, not just to say it, but to believe it and to live it, to say, Lord, actually your will be done in our lives. Your will be done. You accomplish your plans, whatever they may be. And God, we ask that you would help us to trust your timing, whether it's with relating to everything that's going on with COVID, whether it's sicknesses, whether it's career ambitions, whether it's school, whether it's relationships, we ask for you to help us, please. Help us to trust you. You are good. You will never leave us. You will never forsake us. Let us dwell on that as you choose to so graciously dwell within us. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.